celebration. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as we recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us here this morning at Celebration Church, this last week, I was in Kansas with uh, the Reverend Jimmy Bratcher doing our, week, our yearly run to uh, prisons. And we went throughout prisons in uh, Kansas. And uh, it was probably the best, I'm sure it was the best run we've done yet. It was amazing. A different prison every day for a week. And uh, talking to men, obviously incarcerated, some of them were uh, in... Uh, maximum security facilities were shaking hands with murderers, rapists, I mean, bad, bad guys who've done really bad things uh, and are locked up, many of them, for the rest of their lives. They'll never, ever get out. And you can imagine the hopelessness. You say, well, they have it coming. Well, you know, we all have it coming at some point, and society has given them, you know, what, what they've uh, done and they're having to pay their debt. But despite all that, there's still forgiveness with Jesus. You know, there's not any sin that's too much for him to handle. So we go into these places and encourage them. Jesus taught us that we are supposed to visit those who are in prison. My guess is most of you have never done that. If you have an opportunity to find a way to do that or to uh, some people that you know or something, you ought to do it. But the nice thing is that you guys are able to support financially so that we can go do it, and you get credit for that as well. That's a biblical principle we'll be talking about later as we go on through our significant events of the Old Testament. And uh, part of our legacy giving that we gave at the end of the year, we've raised a bunch of money, so we basically give it away in terms of helping other ministries and outreaches, and one of those things was this week that we went out. And uh, all of that was by and large supported by Celebration Church. And I go down there to be, be, be a part of it as well, and uh, visiting these places, and uh, it's a big deal to these guys. I mean, they have the same routine day in and day out, day in and day out for year after year after year, and for someone to come in and for a few hours lighten their mood and share the gospel of Christ. We don't pull any punches. We're, Jimmy, man, he's preaching it up, you know, and, and praying with guys to accept Christ is very, very cool. They might be imprisoned on the outside, but they can be set free on the inside. <clears throat> and... Uh, and thank you again for being a part of that and supporting that outreach. Now, as we were planning this, it looked, according to my schedule, that I would not be able to get back uh, for today. So in our uh, presbytery meeting, which is the uh, pastors, elders of the church, we were talking about this weekend. I said, well, 
<clears throat> what do we want to do? And someone threw out the idea and says, why don't we have one of the pastor's wives speak? And uh, <clears throat> we don't get a lot of that. You know, if I would have asked my wife to speak, she'd have killed me in my sleep. <clears throat> Actually, she'd have killed me while I was awake. But, uh, uh, so, but uh, unanimously, we all threw out Becky Schomer. Let's get Becky <clears throat> to come up and speak. So we're excited that she's going to be doing that this morning. Would you please give it up for the lovely Miss Becky Schomer? <laughs> uh, good morning, Celebration Church. It is such an honor to be here with you this morning and to be able to share a message with you. Um, I need to start things out this morning by making a declaration to each and every one of you, and it's this. I love you. Oh, thank you. Now, I know, you're all so sweet. <laughs> now, I know that some of us in this room have never actually met face to face. This is our first time having an encounter, so those words can feel kind of premature. But the truth is, my husband and I and our family have been in this church for almost 20 years. You see, yeah, people have been here longer, I assure you. <laughs> but you see, we came to this church, we chose this church before we were ever given a paycheck that required us to be here. So when I tell you that I love you, I mean that from everything that is in me. We have loved walking through all of the seasons and the journeys of this church. And that's why it's such a privilege to be able to share with you this morning. And I hope you know that everything that I have to share with you comes from that place of love. Um, as Pastor Mark had mentioned, um, I think he had said that anyway, maybe it was first service. I am on staff here at the church. Um, I imagine that most of you would realize that if you work for Celebration Church, you have to have a pretty good sense of humor. Did you figure that out? So anyway, for the past two weeks since I've been asked to come in and share with all of you, there's been a lot of needling and a lot of jabbing and a lot of just good humor flying around. And I have got to tell you, I'm not gonna, spare, I'm not gonna get into all the details, you don't need to hear that this morning, but um, I just want you to know that I am here this morning with a cheerful heart. And the Bible says that the cheerful heart is good medicine. It is good for the soul, isn't it? I'm quite convinced that that's probably what has drawn many of you, if you've just started attending Celebration in the last 10 years, it's probably what's drawn you here. Because we have a pastor who has such a gift for just lightening our hearts as he teaches through the word of God, doesn't he? Yeah, you can give it up for him. I love that. So, especially because when sometimes we come in and we find ourselves in hard places, right? How many of you in the room know that sometimes life is hard? Yeah, you can participate there, it's okay. I heard a little bit of a yeah. It's true, life is hard. Not even sometimes, unfortunately, a lot of times it's hard, isn't it? And I gotta tell you, I've had one of those weeks this week where I feel like I have come face to face with that, occasion after occasion after occasion, from people who I love, from people who I've just met. There's just been some hard stuff going on. And I gotta tell you, it's, it's kind of messed with me because I have been preparing for this message and no matter how I've rolled this message around in my brain a thousand different times, God has kept bringing me back to this same verse. It comes out of John chapter 10, verse 10. It's probably familiar to a lot of you. We're gonna read it together. It says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
Oh, this is Jesus speaking, by the way. And he goes on to say, I have come that they may have life and they may have it to the full. Some versions of this, of this verse will read, have life abundantly as well. So I look at these things that are going on around me and I think, well, if I take just that verse and I wanna apply it to my life, then I would think, well, you know what? These people around me, they just, they just need Jesus, that's it. But the truth of the matter is, they have Jesus. These are people who, who love him, who follow him, who serve and take care of people and their needs. And they're going through some hard stuff. And again, it starts to mess with me because I'm looking at this verse and I thought, Lord, so this life to the full, this living abundantly, it, is that what you mean? So I decided I need, to, I need to start figuring it out. So I did what any non-Bible college graduate would do. I Googled other verses about the abundant life or a life abundantly because I do know that if I want to understand scripture, it's good to find other scripture. So um, don't judge the fact that I went to Google. I want you to know that Google, God can use Google and he um, directs me well sometimes. So anyway, I started to look through my results on this search and, um, and it led me to some great articles and blogs written by really brilliant scholars and pastors about this topic and all of them used this same verse, John 10.10. 10. But as I began to dig into them a little bit more, I quickly found myself somewhat disappointed because oftentimes and most times, the verses that they chose to, to bring around it then were verses that had to do with giving and prosperity and material things. And now God has great things to say about that without a doubt. But when I look at, I look around me and I think, gosh, that can't be what Jesus meant by life to the full. Because honestly, if we all, because we became believers in Jesus, found ourselves just surrounded by ease and prosperity, wouldn't we then just become a class of people and not necessarily a body of believers who are different and united? So for those of you who um, wanted to judge me because I went to Google, I want you to know that I did seek out a more holy reference. I went to Bible Gateway, I looked at my Bible Hub app, and I started to do this search so I could understand what it was that the Bible was talking about when it said this life to the full, this life of abundance. And you would not believe what I found. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of verses. I was so completely overwhelmed in that moment that I thought, oh my goodness, Lord, there's no way I could literally get through all these things. I'm never gonna understand what this means. And I thought, you gotta give me a new message, Lord, because that abundant thing, I can't teach about it if I don't know what it means and I can't see what's happening around me. What am I gonna do? Well, I want you to know, in that very next moment, there was something very interesting that happened. I suddenly heard this voice in my head say, it's not that hard, Becky. Just go read it. Now, I want you to know I was actually very cool on the exterior. I can do that. But you all know I was emotionally in a place of, oh my goodness, Lord, you gotta do something else here. So I'm pretty sure I can trust that that was probably the Lord speaking to me. Okay, I don't claim to discern his voice well, but you know when you're in that place, he's got something going on. So his words echoed to me. 
It's not that hard, Becky. Just read it. You know, we live in this day and age where we have so many great resources around us, so many things that will help us and encourage us in our faith walk, and I'm a huge advocate of using those things, but the Bible says that greater is he who is in us than he who's in the world. When we start to look at all of those resources and we put them in a greater place than the Holy Spirit, who God gave us, if we've given our lives to Jesus, then we put them in the wrong place. So I had a moment of thanksgiving and repentance and thankfulness that I could stop freaking out. And I did what the Holy Spirit told me. I went back and I started to read it. Because I hope you all know that you can't just take one verse and find life meaning out of one verse. We gotta understand what it is that the Bible was saying around it. So I knew that it was Jesus who was speaking in this verse, but I didn't know who he was talking to. So I had to go back, and actually I had to go back one chapter into chapter nine to find out kind of what was going on here. And here's the situation that had happened. Jesus had healed a man who was blind. The religious leaders of the day found out about it, and they wanted to ask him some questions. So they brought this man into the synagogue, and these leaders had already decided that if anybody, this man included, would start to like lay claim to this healer, Jesus, that they were gonna cast him out of the synagogue. So the leaders are asking him questions and eventually, they, quite honestly, they insult him, they take their faith in God and they use it as a weapon against this man and ultimately they cast him out. Now I know that none of us would ever want to be told we're sending you out of the church, but back in those days, if you were kicked out of the synagogue and you were a Jewish person, that's a big deal. And it's a hard place for that man to be in. And isn't it interesting that it's just right on the heels of this incredible miracle that the Lord had just done for him. So he finds himself cast out. And what I love is when you get to the end of chapter nine, you find out that Jesus catches wind of what had gone on. And he goes to find the man. Isn't that our Lord? He's so sweet that way. So he goes and he finds them and, and it's recorded in very short, quick format, this conversation between the two of them. And that man who had been healed very quickly decides to profess belief in Jesus as the son of man and begins to worship him. Now, enter the religious leaders. Dun, dun, dun. Can you feel the drama building? So the religious leaders come on the scene and they overhear Jesus talking with this man. And this is what Jesus was saying. It's from John chapter nine. He said this, Jesus then said, I came into the world to bring everything into the clear light of day, making all the distinctions clear so that those who have never seen will see. And those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. Now some Pharisees overheard him and said, does that mean you're calling us blind? You see, Jesus wasn't talking about this kind of sight, right? He was talking about people who had the ability to see what God was doing in the world through Jesus. And those Pharisees were not necessarily happy about what was going on. 
So Jesus, as he tends to do, he begins to tell them using, he begins to talk to them using a word picture. Now, a lot of times Jesus, when he wanted to um, teach a lesson, he would use a parable or a story, or he would give them some kind of word picture that people could understand. And in that day and age, he used one that everybody would understand. He started to talk about shepherds. And if you read through John chapter 10, you'll start to hear some of the things that Jesus is saying about shepherds. And we pick it up, I'm gonna to go to verse eight um, of John chapter 10. We pick it up when Jesus has this to say. He says, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. So I'm forced to ask, who came before him? Because Jesus has just been making this declaration that he's the shepherd, he's a good shepherd, and he'll go on to say that later in chapter 10 as well. But the truth is, if you didn't already know this, back in those days, the leaders of the synagogue, of the Jewish people, they would refer to themselves as shepherds. Much like we do today, it's not uncommon for us to think of a pastor as that kind of a role as a shepherd. But it was a very common term, very common phrase that was used in the time of Jesus for the religious leaders. So now Jesus has just said, all those, those other shepherds who have come before me, they are thieves and robbers. They are keeping them from seeing and understanding um, his, his God. So we're gonna pick it up in verses nine and 10. We're gonna read those very quickly. Jesus continues to say, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and they will find pasture. Then he goes on to our verse. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. I love these verses because they resonate, <clears throat> excuse me, they resonate with other verses that we know. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life and nobody comes to the Father except through me, right? Jesus is the method and he is the vehicle to the life that God has for each and every one of us. It's the life that he told us in chapter 10, verse 10, is a life that is full and abundant. I don't know about you, but I want that life. So Jesus uses these word pictures. So this morning I brought in an object lesson with me to help us kind of get this a little bit, okay? Now I was laughing about this first service because here's the truth of the matter. I want you to know you can literally teach almost any spiritual lesson with a glass and a pitcher of water. I'm not kidding, if you don't believe me, Google it. You'll find some great things there. Anyway, I want you to imagine for a moment that this glass here, it's me, it's you. It's each and every one of us sitting in this room, okay? And this picture is the life that God has intended for us. I hope you know that this picture, and if you don't know, you're gonna find out in a minute, should probably be like three million times bigger than what it is, but then I wouldn't be able to hold it and we'd have a problem with the illustration. So anyway, so imagine it being much, much bigger. But this is what, what Jesus said, right? He said, I came because I wanted to give you this life, one that is full and abundant and overflowing. And quite honestly, when we keep at it, don't worry, it's just water. When we keep at it, it just splashes around all over the place. That's the life that Jesus has intended for us. So I look around and I think, well, how come it doesn't seem like most of us are living that life? We love Jesus, right? 
So I went back to what Jesus said, and he said, everybody who came before me was a thief and a robber, and they intend to steal, kill, and destroy from us that which God had planned, which is that great life. So I had to ask myself, so who are those thieves? Who are those robbers? What does that look like today? Because we don't live in that time of religiosity, praise the Lord, right? But I know that they exist. I know that there's obstacles trying to keep us from that life where we would see it more often. And I want to suggest to you that there are three really key things that will get in the way with that life that God promised. Here's the first one. Past experiences. How many of you have earnestly, earnestly prayed for something that you just believed wholeheartedly had to be according to the will of God? Things like young people who are literally at death's door. People who are struggling with addictions, mental illnesses. And you pray and you pray and you just know it has to be God's will to deliver this. But in the end, he doesn't. Has that happened to anybody in the room besides me? Yeah. And it's hard and it starts to mess with our faith. And more than that, it starts to mess with our picture and our concept of God. So here's what starts to happen. We go to God and I want you to know this, this relationship with God, it's a two-way street. He's not going to drown us. He doesn't do that. He's also not going to make us our puppet and his robot. Like, we have to come into an interacting relationship with him, right? So sometimes when we start to get discouraged, what happens is we start to minimize our God. And he wants to pour it out, and he does, and he starts, and we say, oh, good, 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 that's enough. Kind of like a servant, server at a restaurant, right? We say, thank you, that's good. And I imagine God has to be thinking, but, but I have all of this. And you're like, no, I know that God probably could, but in my life it doesn't work that way, so this is going to be just enough for me. This is good. I think I need to be content with this. God says I need to be content. This is good. We can stop there. Oh, we're missing it. Pastor Mark preached a sermon years ago that I just love, and he said this. He said, you cannot let your circumstances define your God. You need to let your God define your circumstances. That's right. Give it up for the man in the front row. And it's true, but instead we do. We let our circumstances define our God. And we start to think less and less of what he will do. Not what he can do, but what he will do. And it becomes like us saying, good, 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 good. That's good enough for me. So that's one. The other thief or robber that I believe we have in this life is the fact that we have too many inputs. There are too many voices that are helping you formulate what you feel and believe and and do. And they start to come into conflict with those things that are true about God. And I want you to know, I'm not against us being being part of the world. I'm not suggesting for a moment that we should live in this spiritual bubble because if we do that, there's no way we can reach people for Christ. But we need to be careful who we give a voice to in our lives because honestly, when we start listening to all those other things, we talk to our neighbor who believes something that's other than the Bible so they can give us an idea of what they think about heaven or the life everlasting. It's like this just becomes this cover. And God's like, hey, 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 I got it. I got, I got this life for you. I got this. And we've created a blockade 
a cover through which he can't pour it out. So we need to be careful about those inputs. And the third thief and liar that I believe exists is just ignorance. If you don't know that God's got this three million times larger picture for you, you're not gonna call out for it, right? So let's deal with it. Let's talk about how do we get to that life to the full, that life of abundance, okay? There are some verses, I thought this was really great when I started to dig into it. Um, I wanna share with you some other places in the Bible where God has used this same word, the full or living abundantly. And it's not where we're gonna find them in English because if we did that, as I said, we would have hundreds of verses that we'd be trying to, to filter through. But these are verses, and I have to tell you, this was the Lord's leading because I don't know Greek. I'm not that girl, okay? But he started to show me where I could find this exact same word in other places in the scripture, okay? That where it was originally written in, in the Greek. So I'm gonna share some of them with you and I hope it's gonna help us just bring definition to our God who has that life that life of abundance for us. A life, my friends, if you follow back what it was saying in John, is a life where those spiritual blinders come off. That's what he was talking about when he was talking to the man that he healed who was blind. That's the life he intended. He wants us to see it all, to know it all, to experience the power of the God who raised Christ from the dead and has this life for us. So let's look at it. We're gonna start in Ephesians chapter three, verses 20 and 21. Paul is writing this section of scripture and he is talking about God in the scripture. So we're gonna just read it together real quick. It says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. He's talking about God. To him, now this is the word, this is where the word comes in, who is able to do, here it is, immeasurably more than you could hope or imagine. Do you know how much immeasurably more is? We need a picture like, 10 million times the size of that. But even that would be too small because he says he can do more than that. That is the quality and the character of our God. And that is the same God who said, this is the kind of life I have for you, waiting over there. So let's find where it shows up next in the scripture. Are you ready? Here it is. This comes out of, I think we're going to 2 Corinthians. So in 2 Corinthians, it says this, and God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Mm. He used it twice in this one, my friends, and you probably caught it. It's pretty easy to catch it here. He has made every grace available to overflow beyond what you can even imagine. Those people I told you about who are having some hard things going on this week, I see some of them do it with such grace. Such grace. You know why? Because they know that God has it available for them. And how cool that he tells us in his word, you know what, we're gonna go through hard stuff. He says that, right? But he says, when you're going through it, I have made 
grace available to you that is so much bigger than anything that you could possibly imagine. That's what he's saying to us. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think many people are drawn to Jesus because we have a life of ease and prosperity, as much as we all think that would be great. But I know that people are drawn to Jesus when I'm going through hard stuff and he gives me the grace to rise above. That's a life to the full. Here's another one for you. Comes out of, I think it's Luke. Sorry. Um, oh, I actually have it right there too. Okay. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Here's one more. It's just this picture, right? God is saying that the mouth is going to speak whatever it is that is so filled up in you and overflowing and splashing all over. Isn't that great? Don't you all want a little bit of Jesus splashed on you? I do. And I want to be the person who can splash him out on other people. And he tells it that he has that available for us. That life that we live, that's what it's going to do because we're going to start to talk it. We're going to start to believe it. We're going to start to live it. It's pretty exciting. Are you ready for one more? All right, here's one more. This is my last, um, my last verse that I'm going to share with you about this and then we're gonna, I'm going to pray and wrap it up, I promise. Um, it comes out of Mark chapter 12. Um, I should tell you the context of this verse because Jesus has just told the people what the two greatest commandments are. He told them that they need to love God and they need to love people, okay? Now, I had never actually caught this part of Mark where it goes on to record what somebody then comes and says to Jesus. But these are the words of a man who is standing nearby. It says this, "'Well said, teacher,' the man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Don't you want Jesus to say that to you one day? You are not far from the kingdom of God. You get it. Now I want you to guess which word or words in those verses I just read are the original Greek word of the full or abundance. Do you have a guess? Tell your neighbor. You can tell your neighbor. It's okay to talk for a second. I appreciate that you haven't been talking during the rest of the message. Here it is. The words in those verses are these two. Most important, most important. It is more important, so much more than you can even possibly imagine with such great abundance that you figure out how to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength, understanding and to love your neighbor as yourself. It is so much more, so much bigger in importance than the offerings and the sacrifices you make. Oh, it's hard though, isn't it? I look at that and I think, wow, what a, great, what a great word. Because somehow we seem to have all been lulled into this place of instead of loving with all, we love with some. We love about as far as it feels comfortable 
in most cases. And I don't know how we got there, but I'm pretty sure that if I want that life that Jesus promised, I gotta start to push past some. And I need to start pushing towards all. Now it's easy to say when I'm standing here, right? It's easy for you to turn to the person next to you and say, no, you gotta start loving God with all that you are. Ooh, put that finger back on yourself, my friends. Put the finger back on yourselves. It's not like we can flip a switch because the truth of the matter is most of us are already in a habit of doing some. But I want you to know you don't have to stay there because when we live a life of some, we live this life. It's good, God. That's good. That's enough for me. When we come into church and we think, I did pretty good. I showed up in the summer. (laughs) Check that off the list. And that is good. We appreciate that you're here because I'd feel foolish talking to nobody. We can also come in and we can say, you know what, it's good. I'll, I'll stand during the song portion. That's good. I, I don't really like that singing thing, but I'll stand. God will be pleased. We might think, you know what, I'll throw a few extra dollars in the offering this week and that will surely please God. Here's the thing. I want you to know and don't ever question this. That does honor God. Anything that we do to bring him honor and devotion, it honors him. But it is not what gives us this, right? It's not what gets us that. So we need to start to be a people who bring up our game, right? We need to start getting engaged and pressing ourselves towards that concept of all, not some. And I gotta tell you, it's gonna take some time and some effort on your part, on my part, alone with our Lord to to truly know who he is. But there's something else that we cannot forget, and it's this. Our creed says that we believe in the fellowship of believers. Do you know why that is? Because together we're better. Together we encourage, together we prompt one another, together we support one another, and together, yes, we do hold each other accountable to bring up the game a little bit more. So please, if you're, if you're sitting here today, if any of this resonates with you, and you are not in a place in your life where you have at least a couple of people that you can call to ask to pray for you, other than your mom, of course, because she'll always pray even if she doesn't know Jesus, Please, get yourself connected to the church. Find yourself a life group where you can start to walk side by side with people who are not gonna become this tray in your life. They're gonna help you become an open vessel to what it is that God has for you in this life. Get yourself plugged into a ministry or someplace where you can just start to walk side by side with other believers and be sharpened and brought up in your faith. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm gonna close things out with a prayer. The prayer that I'm gonna pray for you this morning comes straight out of the scriptures. It's out of Ephesians. Um, and it, is, it uses that same word. Again, go figure, right? It uses the same word, but this is a prayer that Paul prayed for the church. So I wanna pray it for you, for me as well. Let's pray. Oh, I ask. I ask the God of our master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. 
your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is that he's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Ah, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. May it be for each one of us, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Miss Becky.